0: you're listening to episode 10 of double hop beat bi-weekly podcast taking the pulse of the beer and brewing scene i'm james home brewer and beer enthusiast
1: and i'm shannon and i like the taste of beer
0: and thanks for joining us on our 10th episode wee! <laughs> little southern twang in there for you this week uh, so this week, Shannon and I checked out a new brewery that we haven't been to yet in Boston called Democracy Brewing. How appropriate to be in Boston talking mm-hmm. democracy here! Uh, and it was actually in downtown Crossing. Uh, great location, right across from a bus stop, and like good people s- watching. Good at the people bus stop. watching. Centrally located, um, easy to get to. Um, so here we go. So Shannon, what did you think of? Uh, Democracy Brewing.
1: I liked it. It had a cool vibe inside. There was the exposed brick walls which you could tell were original to the building because the, you know, the mortar was a different color and the bricks were not evenly shaped, so you could definitely tell it was a historic building. Um you when you walk into the left there was the tanks right there so you could see them. Uh and I just think it was a, you know, really cool historical. Definitely felt like you could have been back in the 171800s with some of the shape men that shaped america in there (laughs) the
0: the shape-shifting men that shaped america
1: uh and i liked my favorite uh beer that they had on tap that night was the fighting 54th saison and it is a light and crisp saison with peppery notes and hints of clove and lemongrass and i can definitely taste the lemongrass in it that was the kind of the flavor that i got the most
0: so I, th- I think you stayed pretty true to your form with the CAs on, but you did try my flight of IPAs. I did. So that was good. and, and I made
1: some nice faces. And
0: we'll d- definitely have to incorporate some hops in a future episode where we will test your t- tasting abilities with the oh God. T- different varieties of hops and see the ridiculous faces you make when uh, you get the nice bitter hops Ugh. like you did when you t- tasted the flight. And I think our uh, server was a little taken aback when... Uh, he saw you take a sip of that first uh, flight there. I think he was a little concerned for your well-being.
1: Well, I guess you'll have to post like a video or something of that on Instagram if we do it because then nobody else will be able to see my face if we don't. For sure. So
0: So if that's something you'd want to see, let us know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was your favorite beer? Um, you tried?
0: Well, before I get into my favorite beer, okay. so I did enjoy um, one of their IPAs, uh, true, also true to form. Um, But I definitely wanted to get out there and try something new. Um,
1: Off-brand? Because right now you're really on-brand.
0: On-brand. That's what
1: people say these days, right?
0: Well, you know, it is a democracy. So as a democracy, I felt I had to represent all the beers equally on our trip um, to the brewery. Um, So I actually was intrigued um, by their beer called the Liberty Tree. And also their names are very clever um also dealing with on theme or on on point uh but the liberty tree was actually their imperial porter at a 10 percent abv um and they did not offer it in the flights um you'd have to get a full pour of it
1: they usually don't put those in flights so no yeah not, I mean, it wasn't surprising that they didn't do it
0: it's it's pretty standard not to but you still, still good to ask in case you want to just try it. And we are, we're at a table too, so it's a little bit different vibe. So we switched over after we had our Bavarian pretzel with three different hot mustards, which was kind of, kind of mm-hmm. cool. It was like the fattest pretzel I've ever seen. Like was, I was, was like, really how bad. do I break this? I'm used to like, you know, seeing the thin pretzels that you can easily break one half off or break the other half off. Not just one big giant. It was almost like a cream puff, like it was just ginormous of like one giant pretzel.
1: Yeah, it was more of a pretzel loaf than a pretzel, pretzel loaf.
0: <laughs> I want a pretzel loaf for Christmas. Do you? No.
1: Yeah, don't say that because then all you'll get is pretzel loaves.
0: That's true. Because my mother, who's listening to this podcast right now, would totally wrap hey. up a pretzel for no, me. No,
1: you're definitely getting pretzels. You jinxed yourself.
0: Shout out to my mom. Hi, mom. She's
1: trying Classic. to brownie points.
0: Classic. Anyways, anyways, uh, <laughs> uh that por- imperial por- imperial porter, wow, I can't talk tonight. Uh, was amazing. Um, it was like so complex. Uh, it was a barrel aged porter, which I really liked, and I got like a really good multi backbone flavor to it, and it wasn't overpowering at all. I thought the ten percent was gonna kind of knock me on my ass like the IPAs would, um, but this was actually just a good like sit relax kind of like elevated like an elevated persona you can have with this beer like it just took me back to like like you were saying like the atmosphere of the place of just old school boston of just you know with cool vibes and just everyone's chill and you got the bear they had nice um cut in half wine barrels on the wall with the brick Which is really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. Nice Edison lights, um, some chandeliers, so it was very like old timey feel, but with like a modern twist to it. Yeah. So it wasn't just like that dated, you know, brewery that you know you're gonna go in and be like, oh, I don't know if.
1: And it was was different than like the industrial, you know, feel when you go to a lot of breweries in the suburbs. It's in the warehouse area of the town or city that you're in. So it's nice to get a little bit of refreshing scenery.
0: Yeah, it was definitely it definitely had the city feel to it, like a nice elevated you know city bar type environment. But it also had I didn't feel like we were out of place in there. You know, it was average people dressed you know in their regular clothes. It wasn't you didn't have to dress fancy. Well, (laughs) people so a lot of people they quote unquote window shop for bars and they in breweries and they take a look through the window and they say oh that looks too fancy and they just immediately walk past without actually stepping in the door. Um, so definitely don't do that. Go check it out. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> There's people that do that well, okay. every day. They do it. Well, anyways, uh, so yeah, we had a great time. And uh, shout out to Steph behind the bar. Um, she was so knowledgeable about all the beers, and she did let us try the Liberty Tree um, to make sure that we it was something that we would enjoy. Um, so that's also a great tip. Um, just talk to the bartenders, like we said on our previous episode. If you're not sure if you want to try a new beer, let them kind of walk you through what they have, and they can tell you the flavor profiles and everything. And it's definitely something that you'd want to experience. And I definitely had that aha moment on on that trip because it was like trying something new that kind of ventured out of my comfort zone. But you know, you got you got to go for it, just like you with those IPAs. Truth. Respect. Democracy. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, this week we are going to be discussing how to organize that mess of home brewing equipment and supplies, because you may love to see it, but others may not, like me. You design
0: it the right way, then everyone will want to see it. It becomes a home brewery, right? We'll tell
1: you all about it. And also, we've got some listener experiences, including some insight into an international craft beer scene that you may not be expecting. But first, James, you started a new brew this week. Tell us all about it.
0: Yeah, so um, this was not my original recipe. Um, a listener wanted to order from Northern Brewer, which is a like kind of like a homebrew shop, but they do it online. So it's a mail order, mail order. So if um, you don't happen to have your homebrew supply ri- readily available um, to you, you can just go on their website, and you they have a bunch of different recipe kits um, that you can choose from. Um, they have all. Grain is what I brew, and they also do extract brewing, and you can also just get ingredients um, for whatever recipe you might design yourself. Um, So it came out of Minneapolis. So for us, that's a little bit of a hike um, from Boston, Um, but for those in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area, uh, they'd probably be a lot closer for you. So shipping uh, was about two weeks. Um, And I got my grains um, milled. So when you have your grains milled, it's important to do it as soon as possible for freshness. um, You want your ingredients to be as fresh as possible. Um, But in the true spirit of the review, as the listener um, was going to get, they didn't have a grain mill at home. Um, So I decided who,
1: who really has a grain mill in their house.
0: Yeah, true. Well, I guess a lot of homebrew shops, if you did have one nearby, you can always take the grains there, and most of, most of them will be glad to let you just mill mm-hmm. uh, your grains there. Um, but yeah, so it took about two weeks. I got the liquid yeast. Um, so usually, um, I think on their website, too, they mentioned that during the summer months, it's not recommended to get the liquid yeast just because of the high temperature and unpredictability on shipping. Um, But I decided to go with the liquid yeast. Um, So we did have one liquid yeast that had activated on transport, and the bag was very exploded. And I could just tell from the smell that the yeast was no good. Um, I messaged the customer service, and they were quick to respond. So that's an excellent point for their customer service. And they sent out another replacement yeast. So um, that's for the second brew. So the first brew went fine. The grains um, were very finely milled almost to like a flour consistency at some points, um, which would give you potential of having a stuck sparge. Um, So that's one of So a stuck sparge, um, you're basically trying to get all the sugars out of the grains. And during sparging, you're basically adding hot water so it passes through the grains um, to get a nice trickle um, going through the grains to really get all the sugars out of, out of the grains. Um, so, a stuck sparge is actually when it stops because it's just clogged up, um, and then you'd have to try and MacGyver your way out of it.
1: So, like when flour gets really wet, it's like. Yeah, it sticky. gets all cake, cake-y, cakey,
0: and it's, it's just not a, a good, nightmare. Yeah, it's a nightmare that you don't want to get into. Um, but I didn't have any problems with the stuck sparge, even with the consistency of the greens. Um, so I guess kudos, it didn't really make a difference in the (laughs) end, uh, but just something to note. Um, and yeah, so, so far so good. It's got primary fermentation is just about done. I did my first, uh, dry hop within like the two, first two days of active fermentation. And then I got a dry hop it once more, uh, tomorrow.
1: And what's this? Uh, what's the style of the beer? What's it called? So
0: this is um, their New England-style IPA uh, recipe for a fruit bazooka.
1: Ooh, like the gum?
0: Yeah, that would be Do good. I get a little, the little Archie comic, comic inside? <laughs> I don't know we could probably draw one up of uh, me Ooh, doing be... it all by myself, trying to get it going. So I tried to cut down um, my brew time. Um, so I made sure I cleaned everything the day before. Um, just so I could do a lighter clean on the day of, laid everything out. Um, So it's just about organizing your brew day. Uh, So I cut it down to seven hours. So seven hours is not, as you know, Shannon, it's not seven hours of active stuff. It's, you know, 60-minute boil, and you kind of go check on it, check on it, do other stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you were very... I was in Downton. Yeah, you were very thrilled. Yeah, you were in Downton Abbey having a... (laughs) Having a blast with the other 80 year old women. Hey. It's okay. You, don't worry. The finer, the finer appreciate. culture, cultural life, seeing the dining room sets and watching English people drink tea. Nothing against English people. I'm English, but you know.
1: You just don't appreciate.
0: I just don't want to watch people artistry. drink tea. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, another fun thing uh, this week I got some new equipment from SS Brewtech. Mm hmm. Ah, so that was a good, good surprise to walk to. A good surprise. Oh,
1: a surprise that you didn't know about.
0: Oh, I knew, I knew it was coming. The one that you told me. Just like Christmas morning, you know, you know, you know it's coming. You know, you know that big gift that's sitting right there under the tree, and you just can't wait to open it.
1: The one that you told me. Don't be alarmed, but there will be a couple of boxes (laughs) coming to the house.
0: Well, for for those married, you know, you gotta kind of set the tone a little bit. You gotta ease it in, so it's just not a. Shock and awe. I originally was going for shock and awe. Right, Jeremy? Shock and awe. But a little shout out to my friend Jeremy, who uh, I had kind of had to preface uh, this purchase with Jeremy to... uh, So
1: you ask Jeremy, but you don't ask her wife. Well, you know, you you, got to
0: preface things a little bit, you know, the manspective, you know. Uh, You don't have to mansplain to me. Mansplain. Yeah, mansplaining. (laughs) Hashtag. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the recipe turned out good. The directions were very easy to follow. Um, they broke it down into all the stages, and if you did have any questions, you could. Uh, there was an email that you could email if you had any questions. Preferably, look over that before uh, you're gonna start, in case you do have those questions. Although Google's always there um, for those instances. I know Google. Um, but yeah, my next plan for my own brew. After I finish this and then their other test kit, which is also another IPA, um, I'm going to either do my mango IPA with a mango puree, Hmm. or I'm going to do a nice, light, crisp lager um, to kind of test out my new bright tank and glycol chiller to keep nice, low temps, Um, and it can do up to three tanks at once, so... And I can also serve out of the bright tank, so it solves my kegerator mention, uh, issue of only having one line. So
1: I think you forgot to mention that there was a bright tank. I thought there was just a chiller.
0: Yeah, it's it's all sitting there at the home brewery. You can see it all. So
1: I'm gonna start charging tours when people come to our home.
0: You sh- oh you should.
1: I can give tours of our mudroom brewery.
0: Oh my god, you totally should. The, oh, the mudroom. mudroom. Jinx. Jinx, double hop beat <laughs> done. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, we'll see how it turns out. Um, I'd never really noticed how much mango puree actually cost either. It's pretty expensive. So, like, pretty much the cost of, you know, your greens and a standard kit or just, like, my standard other makeups is just the puree itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll switch to peaches or something because we can get fresh peaches coming pretty soon. Maybe. So we'll or see. you could
1: look into some pumpkin.
0: Oh, pumpkin. Gross. Ugh.
1: But it's almost pumpkin season. I've learned
0: I'm not brewing anything I'm not going to drink because then it just sits around and then I can't enjoy it. So we'll see. Fine. We'll see. Unless we get some pumpkin, a lot of pumpkin fans that we can uh, get some help drinking it. We'll see.
1: Well, Steph's going to have her baby at the end of the month. So if everyone so, remembers oh, so Steph, Steph from her, our... She our, wants her
0: Steph uh Yeah. So we can pumpkin. give... Uh,
1: her some pumpkin beer because she'll be able to drink it for those who remember steph from our episode from a little while back with jack okay so james you got some brew news here what's up with that Yeah, so
0: some local brew news uh to our area Uh, medusa brewing out of hudson massachusetts has opened up a temporary beer garden downtown so a separate location from their brewery Um, and it's currently dog and kid friendly Although they do say that if the, some adults may need to be leashed as well as the dogs. Okay. So I don't know what kind of, you know, people they're expecting to go to this. I don't know. But, there's uh, many different
1: leashes out there. So I don't, I don't know. I know like, what kind of leash that means.
0: I think I'd be a little concerned if I walked up and they have picnic tables and, and there's just see a guy with a leash. I'd be a little uh, freaked out. Um, yeah. But the question is, is it really a beer garden if it's not in a garden?
1: Well, James, this may answer your question. According to the Oxford Dictionary, a beer garden is a garden, typically one attached to a bar or a tavern where beer is served.
0: So, knowing that you were going to go to the dictionary on me with that little segue that I did there, um, yeah, it's actually a beer garden. Any uh, Anything that's considered outside and with picnic tables and they serve beer. But are beer. there like... Is considered a beer garden. Do they
1: have plants and things?
0: I don't believe so. Well, then I technically think it's, it's not a garden. It's, it's just a temporary location where they um, are serving beer and, among other things, um, before they get their new location building up and running. Um, so, or because they're going to start building.
1: A garden is a small piece of ground used to grow vegetables, fruit, herbs, or flowers.
0: But so a beer garden was actually from uh german
1: yeah i know i'm just beer just... garden I know where oh I'm...
0: i know garden's just in the name but that's why i teased it you know but
1: it's also not spelled the same way no that in america we spell like beer garden in germany is spelled very differently than our literal beer
0: b-i-e-r garden B-I-E-R? garden
1: i believe are you uh, telling me how to spell it yeah oh it's b-i-e-r-g-a-r-t-e-n yeah
0: yeah respect to all our german Good. congratulations listeners you got the first Germany, letters <laughs> you're probably laughing hysterically right now going they're crazy they're crazy yep. okay anyways uh that's just a little aside for anybody in the massachusetts area that's going on uh, it's temporary uh but cool. yeah people seem to like it so far
1: okay well so we're going to talk today about organizing your home brew equipment and how to make it easier oh yeah on you and your loved ones <laughs> To live with, with your addiction. Are you
0: doing an emphasis on loved ones on that? Because yeah. it's a little, little undertone there, don't you think?
1: Yes. Well, luckily well, for you, I love to organize. There is a many a afternoon where you can find me in a closet, organize <laughs> You can find things. Shannon in a
0: closet, everybody. <laughs> if you're looking for Shannon, she's in a closet. Trying
1: to throw out things that you keep from when you're two years old, you know. So what's the first step to learning how to organize your equipment? So,
0: so I think number one is knowing, kind of putting together where you're thinking of having everything. No. Whether, no, wrong. No.
1: The first step is to figure out what you have and how much of it there is.
0: Well, as the brewer, you already know what you got. You just don't. But you need to get it all together. You know what you have together, and you know what you don't have that you need, that you really need.
1: But you need to get it all together. And then once you see it, you'll know exactly what you need for containers. Like If you've got a lot of like loose parts that you might want to put in a bin it also helps you figure out how much storage space you're actually going to need so you want to look at the largest pieces of your brewing equipment um, and just figure out you know how big those are I personally would suggest measuring them to see like how tall maybe the tallest piece of equipment you're going to want to put on a shelf or where to store it you want to make sure you know how tall it is wide it is so it actually so like fits all your, like your,
0: if you're just starting out and you have the plastic buckets, the, like mm-hmm. the five-gallon buckets, that's a good thing to measure the height of those. Yeah. Um, or if you are a more experienced home brewer and, or just you have more of the latest and greatest of fermenters, of the stainless steel ones, um, you can measure those to see kind of how big. And just keep in mind the weight on those. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you do decide to get any kind of storage, cart, or shelving just make sure it can hold uh the weight because beer does get extremely heavy Um, especially even just in a five gallon brew bucket you're looking at just under like probably under 100 pounds but uh you never know in those carts some are not very stable
1: yeah so while you've got all your equipment in one place you can be neurotic like me and make an inventory of all of your stuff
0: (laughs) oh my god inventory i know it's so
1: exciting So make a log of everything you have, how many of each, and I would also recommend putting maybe when you acquired it or purchased it, so then you know how old it is. So why are you making a face at me?
0: I don't know. I think I don't know about that.
1: Well, what if something gets grungy? Then you can just throw it out.
0: Well, that you don't, and you know that you don't, don't typically have one. go. I wouldn't go by how long you've had something because you can have something that lasts forever, but it's more of like. Those disposable parts of like your gaskets, um, the basically like those kind of parts, or just check your valves to make on fermenters that are stainless steel. Just make sure they they aren't you know corroded to a point where you can't use them anymore. It's it's really function. Okay. Um, but well, gaskets. I'll, I'll give it to you on the okay. for, like the gaskets and the seals and everything like that. Like you should probably try and replace those like once. Yeah. So if you know once or twice a year, if you got
1: gaskets in January 2019. And now it's December 2019, and it's the same gaskets. Maybe you should replace them. Yeah, sure.
0: Sure, I'll give you that. Thank you. But uh, if it gets a little grungy, just toss it and get another one um, if you can't clean it. Because there's nothing worse than having a gasket that ruins a whole batch of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, because th- those that bacteria can get in there, and you could clean your tank as thoroughly as possible and have a gasket that's totally disgusting and you don't notice it and there you go you got something growing in your sample port so mm-hmm. and definitely on those plastic buckets too if you notice that you got some like deep scratches on the inside
1: yeah, bacteria can grow right in there you know it yep so along with measuring how large your equipment is you also want to measure the potential places that you're thinking about storing your equipment because obviously if the space is too small it's not going to work and if you're lucky enough to have space a large space Um, It's better to keep all of your homebrew equipment as close to where you're going to be brewing as possible because it makes it a lot easier. Um, But obviously, you know, if you live in an apartment or our house that's not that large, it's hard to keep everything in one room without overtaking the whole house. So,
0: yeah, Yeah, that's definitely a a pinch point for me as far as keeping things where I actually brew. Um, So, for my grandfather, it's got to be near um, electricity and it also has to be near a water source um, to be able to do the um, chiller, and um, basically do all the cleaning and everything like that. Um, So it does add, I've tracked this over the last two years of how much time it adds to my brew day. It adds a solid hour and a half to my brew day of just unboxing everything and basically carrying things from the basement up to Mm -hmm. um, our kitchen area where I brew. Um, But one major thing that has helped me anyway um, that I think sh- Shannon can talk to more, is putting things in clear bins. Um, if you can see it, um, you know what's there, and you're not digging through boxes you don't have to. Uh, labeling. So I, w- what I like to do is separate it by the different steps during my brew day. So I will put everything that I need for actual brewing in one clear be- uh, tote, um, things for my fermenters in another tote that I have to deal with fermentation, um, and I just basically divide up my brew day. Um, so I have everything and clean. All the cleaning supplies are in one bin um, for post um, brew day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way I know where everything is at all times and it's labeled and we're good to go.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So when you, after you take your measurements, make sure you write them down. That's an important part because when you get to the store, you don't want to go off a memory. You want to make sure you've got all the information. And also keep in mind if, like I said, if you do have the space, just keep in mind that if you might want to expand, then you want to leave a little bit of wiggle room for those items that you might acquire. Um, That way you don't have to reconfigure everything. There's always going to be some reconfiguration going on because obviously the more you buy, you're going to have to find a spot for it. But just keep in mind that you might want to leave maybe a little bit of extra room And believe me, you'll buy more. Yeah. Um, So you also want to think about removing everything from the cardboard boxes. If equipment is still damp after you brew and you put it um, back in the box, then that box can get damp, which will eventually grow mold, which will not be good for you.
0: No one wants mold.
1: No. And there's no such thing as a moldy beer. That would be disgusting. Be like, ugh. Ugh. (laughs) Um, So like as James mentioned, also think about getting some clear storage containers for ingredients and smaller items. Uh, You want to look into storage racks or hangers. For your hoses, maybe like a pegboard. Um, So for cords, like if you've got electrical cords and and extension cords, and it could potentially work for hoses too if you have those. I was sleuthing around the internet to find some... Sleuth?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You were sleuthing around the internet?
1: Yeah, I'm a sleuth. I'm an internet sleuth. (laughs)
0: <laughs> in the internet? Does that mean you were going slow, like? No, I was
1: like looking, hunting around, like investigating. A
0: sleuth. I don't think I've ever heard that term in the thirty years. You've I've never existed. heard the
1: term sleuth? Have you never watched like Sherlock Holmes or? Nope. Well, I guess you don't like true crimes. So Do you watch... live under a rock? I don't know, but anyways, so I was looking around and I saw a, a cool idea where you once you wrap up your cords you should put a bungee cord through the middle and then use the bungee cord to hook it onto something so the bungee cord holds the um, wires and hoses all together like in its nice little wrapping so it doesn't come undone or tangle and then when you take it down it'll easily unroll for you.
0: What I like to do too with all the hoses that I have is um, I've had enough tubing where I just dedicate um, the different things to my different pieces of equipment. So I just have that set set up ready to go so I just take it off the rack and I'm ready to go with my quick disconnects Um, those save a lot of time so you don't have to keep threading um, your threaded fittings with Teflon tape if you have um, some stainless steel equipment um, you can just click it click it in and be good to go it also makes it so easy so you already have the lengths of tubing set that you know work for that piece of equipment so you don't have to keep cutting uh, tubing every time and then you end up wasting tubing um, you can even
1: label it, you know. Yeah, you could you
0: could label get it. Get
1: that label maker out, friends.
0: Yeah. Put everything for the bright tank in one one spot, everything for, you know, your bucket and the other, and also for bottling. Um, make sure you keep your bottling wand and your wand. You got a wand. I you should that, maybe that's your job. That that's what you should do. You can just bottle for me. Mm, I don't know about that. Or maybe we'll can instead. We'll okay. see. We'll see. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, and then, so once you've got everything configured, you might want to think about putting your most used items up front so they have easy access to get to them. Like James was mentioning, um, and then organize them by frequency.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So I also, so I found, obviously, you're gonna figure out what works best in your space and find some different ideas out there. But a couple of the ones that I saw was back to your bottling. Um, someone used a filing cabinet to store their bottles in. Because they are taller drawers, so you don't have to worry about the bottle being too tall. And they can tuck up nice and neat. You can put some padding on the inside, I guess, if you want, so they don't jingle around too much. But that was something cool I found. So, like,
0: they put the bottles in there after they brewed in the like, cabinet? Or, like, if you
1: are recycling your bottles and just storing oh, them yeah. for the next use, yeah, you can put them in a filing works. cabinet. And that's something you could easily put, you know, in a ha- in an apartment. Um, that's something that can go in the corner. If you've got, like, a nice little home office, that can go in there. As well as those... Which we still have, and I feel like we should probably get rid of. Um, the drawer storages you can buy for called door rooms with like. The, oh yeah, those plastic the plastic ones drawers. That those um, can also be good for storing some of your your loose items.
0: Yeah, and the bottles too. If they're conditioning them um, after they've brewed, that'd be a good. The file cabinet's a great idea because then it's not exposing the bottles to light. It's gonna yeah. be at room temp, and then if one expo- happens to. Mm-hmm. explode uh because you over <laughs> put too much sugar <laughs> it'll be contained sugar. in a drawer it'd be contained in the file cabinet or like someone tries to like steal things in your house and like ooh, what goodies do they have in this Exploding file cabinet beer. They, t- they take the file cabinet home they open it up and it's just beer i feel like i guess i think
1: that's better than files yeah yeah i didn't get your social security number but i got your beer i
0: got your beer what up i know your secret recipe oh. give me
1: ten thousand dollars or you'll never see this beer again
0: <laughs> the beer's held hostage. What are we going to do?
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, beer CSI. Um, <laughs> ooh, yeah.
0: There'd be a trace BSI. of like the sugar going out the door, so we'd, they'd fi- end up finding the guy at the very last second.
1: Yep, but it's never who you think it it's is. Never who you think. uh so la- the last two tips that I saw is to put a magnetic strip on the wall, the ones you could just you know stick up, and you can if you got spoons, pot tops metal utensils you can stick them right to the metal strip and then you don't need to put them in a drawer they're just hanging there you can grab them when you need them
0: i wonder if the uh i know they have like magnetic paint i wonder if that oh. would work too
1: uh well usually magnetic paint you have to have a magnet on the other side it's like oh true it's like the paint is the fridge okay and then you gotta have a magnet to stick to the fridge so
0: all right a so good guess, idea i guess that wouldn't work yeah
1: so. And then lastly, I saw, I liked this one, is get a, uh, one of those cleaning supply caddies or a shower caddy that you can buy at, like, Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, you make that into your storage for your cleaning supplies. so You can just tote it around. And put because your...
0: every home brewer goes to Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean,
1: you never know. It's like your tool belt for brewing. You just carry around your little
0: caddy with your cleaning Nice, supplies. the sweet old ladies at the register going, Oh, are you going back to college, sweetie, with your shower caddy? Actually, it's for my beer. Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> what? Kind that's of just voice that's was just that? like the voice of like someone who I think would work at Bed Bath and Beyond, but I guess that's probably okay, no not offense true. to
1: anybody that does work at Bed Bath and Beyond.
0: I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Um,
1: but I thought that was a cool idea. So it's important to remember that not everyone's organizational techniques are the same. These are just some tips and tricks to get you started. If you want to get it out of everyone's way, um, you can get creative with it, especially if you have a smaller space for storage. So just. You know, work with what you got.
0: It's true. And you know, what you don't got, you can always get. So, um, yeah. there you go. Or, or MacGyver it. it. MacGyver it and make something your own. Truth. And also just be sure when you have, like, storage, shelving and stuff that you're, something that beer could spill on it, um, just be sure it's, like, cleanable. A lot of times, like, people go and they try and get wood and make things yeah, out of wood. easy to clean. Um, Wood's easy to clean if you get on it, but, like... If you spill beer on wood, it's gonna get pretty gross. You can just do a clear coat of, you know, something on top of the wood, and that would protect it, and would kind of safe A Clear coat water. of something. You clear guys coat can, of polyurethane, or, yeah. or they have like the spray cans that. That's you know, your homework. Any, Find out what anything, something. Is. You just spray it on. It's a clear, clear coat gloss. It just just okay. seals it. It's a sealer.
1: So, what tips do you have for the day of brew?
0: So um, if you're not getting hops that are pre-packaged, usually in like the one ounce packets, uh, just make sure you measure those out um, at first. And this is kind of like a no brainer for people who've been doing it, Um, but I'm still saying it for people who haven't are just getting into it and are pretty much either buying hops in bulk um, or they don't have the one ounce, you know, packets already made up for them. Just measure them out. Um, Weigh them and uh, make sure you lay everything out. Label them with when you're going to add it in your brew day. Um, You also have apps now. So my grandfather app that I use, I'm Brewing, and also Beersmith. um, You can just enter all that information in and it will kind of alert you what item you need to do at what time. Uh, Your fermenter and cleaning supplies. So like a lot of times when you're waiting for the water to reach boiling or um, during boiling or when you're mashing, um, there's a lot of time where you can make use of that time instead of just sitting around and doing nothing. Uh, but you could also crack open a nice craft beer while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Highly encouraged. Um, but I wouldn't recommend necessarily having too many your first brew because uh, there's going to be points where you're going to go, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Oh, what am I supposed to do? And you want to be able to uh, make sure you can react fast enough. hmm um, with all
1: your faculties in place
0: so yeah maybe have a brewing buddy with you and just in case uh, so you have backup uh but yeah for your fermenter and cleaning supplies you can lay those out and actually like get ahead of yourself and make sure you s- sanitize uh, your fermenter if you haven't already um while it's boiling or you know even before that that way it's all set ready to go right near your point of use as shannon mentioned earlier uh make sure your hoses and ingredients are all set Uh, Make sure you sanitize your hoses um, as well if it's going to be used during the brewing process after boiling. So essentially, like everyone, when they first start brewing, they kind of you want to be cleaning everything and be very, very careful. Meticulous. Um, But in reality, you're good to go until the point of after you're brewing your wort um, and you reach boiling. After that point, everything's um, sterilized um, from the boiling. Um, that that's the point where you have to make sure that everything from that point forward is going to be as sterile as possible, as clean as possible. Um, and don't lose track of time. That's a e- very easy thing to do. Um, if you do have the luxury of having multiple people helping you or enjoying the brewing experience with you, um, it's very easy to lose track of time or you're jamming out to your favorite song. Um, and a lot of the times, like, I recommend getting the apps because they do help you. And everyone these days has a smartphone. Um, just make sure you put those times in, and it'll set an alarm off on your, on your phone. Make sure your volume's on. Um, I have had a brewing experience where I had my phone on silent. Um, I was watching TV while um, I was waiting for the water to boil, and the timer went off, and I didn't hear it. And uh, we had a little bit of water situation. Uh, i lazy. Yeah. So there you go. So that was like my second time brewing. Whatever. But anyways, uh, we have some listener brewery stories uh, that people have been sending in. Um, and we're going to get to them this episode.
1: Yeah. So we have the first one comes from Eric, who is an avid adventurer. And he shares some craft beer experiences from his travels. So not somewhere that you would expect a craft beer experience to come from and I hope that I pronounce this right because I practice uh Bishkek Kyrgyzstan which is uh Kyrgyzstan is next to Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan so and Kyr- Bishkek is the capital so it's in Asia and it's like a mountainous range country and I actually it was like just googling about it and Bishkek is actually it's like listed as one of like the top like unknown like travel spots that's really cool yeah yeah i think a lot of people are just kind of nervous because it's you know when you start talking about in the middle east people get you know politics and all those things but it looked like a really cool place and it was actually had a lot of lush greenery which i feel like you wouldn't really necessarily think of but
0: yeah like eric took some like great pictures too and um he's really like an amazing traveler like I'm so jealous that he's able to you know travel to all these remote spots and just like like it takes like gut like literally guts to do this kind of like adventuring that he does like literally like you need to be able to stomach like whatever food like local foods like
1: tensions like just
0: sleeping wherever like you lay like kind of like just like a very rough and rugged like like a true adventurer which like I completely respect that and for craft beer like people started out in craft beer just experimenting and like going against the norm and like trends of like just you know doing your mundane routines and you know you're used to going through Monday through Friday you know going to your stores to get whatever you need to eat and Eric's really like experienced kind of like what craft beer was like when it first started before everyone was kind of Mimicking each other with the IPAs and, you know, what's rated on this app versus this app. Um, And he actually heard a lot about the emergence of craft beer um, and gaining momentum in the area, which I thought was really cool feedback to get from him that Mm -hmm. like even in these remote areas or even like places that we would associate being remote when they're not really that remote. It's just we're kind of in our United States bubble um, that... You know, craft beer is even making like a difference there, which is kind of crazy to me.
1: Yeah. And I think when you, you know, a lot of people, when they think about beer internationally, it goes immediately to, you know, Germany,
0: or uh, Austria, Austria. Austria, like just places that are Germany, in Europe. Yeah. Um. So
1: you don't necessarily think about places in Asia. So I think it's really cool that he went to Kazakhstan and got to experience some of their local craft uh, beer scene. So the first full craft beer bar opened in July so he test he checked that out and was able to enjoy two beers while there. Um, the fox fox, fox hops. hops sessions IPA. I am a sore for a minute. Um, and he did send us some photos, which are really cool to see. Um, and the craft bar has draft beers, hookah, and a kitchen, so a lot of variety to choose from there.
0: Yeah, and the place like one of the pictures he had it had like a nice display case of just like bottles. Like it was such a cool display of like bottles that. I was, like, zooming in on the picture, trying to, like, read every single bottle in the case. Uh, I got probably through the second row, and then after that, I couldn't make out even yeah. what kind of beer it was. it um,
1: be cool to see what if they had any bottles from over here.
0: Yeah, that, that would be pretty cool. Uh, well, maybe you have to ask Eric if they had any. I, d- I doubt it, though, but that'd be a long ways for it to travel. Probably yeah. wouldn't taste that good. Um but they had. At what surprised me the most was they had a good amount of styles. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't just have. So like I'd associate, kind of like the Middle East and like Asia have having more of like lagers and light lagers and pilsners and kind of like more traditional um, styles. But they had everything. They had American pale ales. They had a brown ale, an IPA, a stout. Um, and so I, I was trying to read some of the reviews of the place just to see if like they have a similar thing where people just go off reviews. And someone had commented on, on that place of, well, they have one beer of everything, so they're not masters at anything. And I'm like, well, that's not true. Like yeah. In a way, like it's a lot harder to have something that everybody can enjoy than just having all IPAs. And I looked at the person's profile, and it was just all IPAs. He like, reviews IPAs or something like that. So I was like, go well, go figure. He should you know? broaden
1: his palate.
0: Yeah, go figure. Um, right. But yeah, so it was thanks, Eric, for sending that in, and we'll see if we can get some of those pictures for our Instagram to share, and we'll make sure, Eric, uh, you okay with that? If not, then uh, you can just go. You by can what just we ignore say. it. You can <laughs> just ignore <laughs> it. Yeah.
1: Uh, and thanks for giving us an uh, idea for a potential episode in the future about maybe exploring international beers and in, in other countries. So thanks for that, Eric. James, do you have another? listener story for us
0: experience. yes so i do so this one is from our listener listener sierra and i'm gonna do it kind of like i'm like a novelist and i'm reading you a story since you mean I, like since you're I gonna don't narrate like, an ebook i'm gonna narrate the ebook all right so this is sierra's ebook uh, brewery experience okay chime in the music please
1: sierra and
0: andy's experience at flying machine brewing in Wilmington, North Carolina.
1: Okay, now it sounds like you're giving a history tour.
0: <laughs> hey, you can't narrate, then you can't interrupt your ebook, so we are going t- to continue. So, I have to tell y'all about this amazing experience that my husband Andy and I had at Flying Machine Brewing in Wilmington, North Carolina. No. 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 Wilmington is Andy's college town, so when we visit, we like to explore it and rediscover it. I think that's very noble. (laughs) We stumbled upon this gem of a place with their own parking lot, a big plus, and decided to try it out. Walked in, steampunk everything. It was so cool and unique. Oh my god. And there was a no. table of board games, a filtered water station, or a water bubbler, as we say in Boston. Uh, sorry, a little aside. In a shuffleboard court. What? And the beer was amazing. The flights were four beers apiece and were four ounce pours. How's my southern accent? This is horrible. This is I horrible. feel like this
1: is cultural appropriation. <laughs>
0: We each got one and tried eight different beers. All right, you're changing the narrator now. Instead of the two... Between the two of us, there was eight beers. And all for one, instead of throwing them back, we actually sat and talked about the flavors and what we liked about each. And by doing this, we were able to pick out a pint to enjoy while I kicked his butt at What Do You Mean? And he even came home with a four-pack of beer that was made with hay... No. Rosé. Rosé, hey. Uh, this it was a very enjoyable experience and all thanks to y'all and your podcast. Thanks. So, Sierra, I'm terribly sorry for I my don't know, horrible what kind accent. Of I was trying to make accent, it uh, interesting here. Uh but yeah, maybe Shannon could have done a better job. What's your southern accent? I'm
1: not I'm not doing
0: that. No. No. Well, you could they do a Boston accent and go, "You want to pack the car and the packing lot? Pack the car and have it, yeah. Go to the packy no no go y'all, red Sox. y'all are not gonna Boston no no you know from Boston anyways <laughs> uh so yeah well yeah. thanks Sierra <laughs> yeah so please th- don't th- stop th-
1: listening to us because of that atrocious yeah. reading Thank-
0: thanks for that well maybe we'll have her on the show so uh I can kind of make amends I don't amends think she want to come on <laughs> we'll the show see, after we'll that see. <laughs> we'll see uh short-lived we'll oh, see oh
1: gosh okay well <laughs> On that note, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Double Hot Beat. Um, you can find out more about us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram at Double Hot Beat Podcast. You can go to our website, which is also Double Hot Podcast. Feel free to send us a message with your experience, comments, and concerns special thank- about yeah. James.
0: Special thank you to Eric Hate and mail Sierra. Can go to uh, James. I promise if you send us stuff, I will not do this again. Uh, I will let Shannon handle that. You can um, send
1: all of those emails attention james please stop yeah, doing attention southern james accents.
0: please do not make fun of our accents i am not making fun of anybody's is accents. really bad at i'm just really bad at accents and i do the same yeah. one over and over
1: yeah so but so. you can send all the hate mail to him yeah um, so feel free to share your experiences like eric and sierra and like and follow our podcast and so be sure to tune in for the next episode in two weeks and this is double, double
0: hot beat